What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. This is episode three, I believe. Today we got Kidron Cannon, aka Kid Cannon TV, on YouTube and Instagram. He has an MMA docuseries called Homegrown Fighter and Front Range Fighter on YouTube. He's got about 27,000 subs, 6,000 on Instagram, and he's killing the game. He also has a media company. Um, and he's just, yeah, he just documents fighters. I thought it would be great to connect with this guy, and he happened to be down for a podcast. So we got him on the podcast, and there's a lot to learn about his process, how he supports his documentary ambitions, and a lot more. So hopefully you enjoy the podcast. Hopefully you get some value out of it, and uh, make sure you subscribe and leave a rating so we can keep doing this. Thanks. Nice to have you on. Um I'd, I'd like to let you introduce yourself. Tell us about what you do. And uh, yeah, go All ahead. All right, cool. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Kidron Cannon. Um, everywhere online, just type Kid Cannon TV, you'll find me. Um, I've been doing, I've been filmmaking for about 11 or 12 years and been doing really like documentary style focus for about seven or eight years. Um, I kind of got started on that with uh, a buddy of mine. Uh, his name is Bryce Mitchell. He's a featherweight in the UFC. Uh, we lived together in college, best friends. I just like kind of started documenting his career and I've just been following him ever since. That's kind of led me into all the different um, MMA documentary work that I do. I got you. Yeah. So what attracted you to documentary as opposed to like narrative? Yeah, I, I've never had any desire to do narrative because I just like, um, I don't have a vision for like what a scene should look like and kind of uh, like piecing it all together in my head beforehand. I am much better at like capturing what's going on. I'm much better at like when there's a moment actually happening, figuring out in the moment how to tell it and how to capture it. Um, that's always kind of just been my strength. And so naturally that just kind of led to doing documentary stuff as opposed to like narrative um and so yeah like filming with Bryce was really fun and then I love MMA and so it was a good way for me to kind of stay connected to the MMA community and get to know a lot of MMA guys like just kind of documenting their stuff and and that's why I've kind of stuck with it I feel that yeah the uh the first documentary that like made me want to make a documentary was the Conor McGregor one yeah on Netflix have you seen that I have yeah the uh Man, when you said that, it reminded me, I think the first one that made me want to was back when there's one called Fightville on Dustin Poirier way back, like 08, 09, something like that. And yeah, it kind of, it was a very similar thing. It was just like kind of following a guy's story like through, you know, Um, but yeah, the Conor McGregor moment was, it was good. And that actually like, it's kind of inspired me. Like I I plan to do one like that on Bryce one day because I I have footage of him since 2014, like, you know, just his whole career. So I want to do that with him um, when he wins the title. Yeah. That is incredible that you have like all this verite style footage of him. For sure. Yeah. Are you big into like watching documentary as much as you are making it? hundred percent. Like if you look at my Netflix, Disney Plus, like Amazon, any of them, like I don't really have too many like shows, like narrative shows and stuff or movies that I watch. They're pretty much just all documentary. That's just like the style I enjoy. Like um, I think I get it from my dad because he's always said like real life is way more interesting than fiction. So until I've seen all the interesting real life stuff, then I'll start watching the fiction. So like that's kind of <laughs> how I am too. I mean, I like The Office and Friends, like a few things like that, Breaking Bad, but for the most part, it's all documentary stuff that I watch. Yeah, I feel that. I like, uh, 
I'm actually like big into like YouTube documentary kind mm. of stuff. Like, yeah. Kind of what you do. Okay, cool. Um, like the mo- most of the stuff I watch is on YouTube. Okay. Um, and then like I'm trying to force myself to watch more like corporate like Netflix stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because like there's probably stuff to learn there. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah. How did you? Well, you, you, you said you, you were roommates with Bryce and you just started recording him, but was there a prior inclination before then to, to MMA? Um, yeah. Yeah, I've, uh, man, I've been an MMA fan since about 2007, 2008, like when um, Chuck Liddell, Vanderlei Silva was the first fight way, way, way back in the day. But I, And I've always really enjoyed it, and I've always liked watching all of the the um content leading up to fights like behind the fight like and those are all documentary style for the most part like they are produced but like um and so i've always enjoyed that so it was just natural like um i was in college i was watching tons of mma stuff and i I just met bryce in a class and i was like man i want to film something with mma so i was like hey i'm just gonna film you and do a little documentary he's like okay cool we weren't roommates yet at the time but after i did that the next semester we became roommates but yeah I've, i've always loved MMA and I've always loved uh documentary style content so it's just kind of natural that is sick um do do you do any MMA yourself I've never fought I'm way too big of a wimp um I've trained (laughs) so uh three four years ago I got in with a smaller organization of v3 fights in Tennessee Bryce was fighting for them at the time and so um when I was filming MMA there I like wanted to be able to better anticipate positioning and like especially jujitsu like I was I liked grappling but I never like trained it and so I started training jujitsu I trained for a couple years just so when I was filming MMA I would have a better understanding of what I was seeing and um, you know where a position might go so I could anticipate camera movements things like that Um, but I didn't stick with it I just kind of did it on and off until I kind of went from like a zero to like a two, <laughs> you know, on like my yeah. knowledge, just enough to like get me by a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, I've never trained uh, or fought MMA, but I, I'm in the gyms all the time. So I feel like half the time I'm like in there, like seeing part of the training, but um, I've never trained it myself. Yeah. I, I had a similar idea. There's like a judo gym. Nice. That I actually, um, I'm like affiliated with a, an, a gym that's more focused on like more typical athletics like basketball and stuff yeah. but it's like one of the bigger training gyms in chicago okay and i work like it's one of my biggest clients or it is my biggest client and one of the trainers there is like a black belt in taekwondo judo and he's like brown belt in karate or something like something okay. that, like he has like he's really high up in like three different of the yeah. martial arts and i was thinking about training there just so i could like understand yes the plight of like what it's like to train yeah what that feels like what they go through right um because like kind of like you i now i have this connection to law Mm. and then i have this connection to this gym that i was just telling you about and yeah it's like i could see myself ending up in that world right it could easily end up that way so i was just thinking that would be cool yeah what it what does your process look like creatively outside of like training and stuff um, you mean like for when I'm trying to produce like a docu-series? Yeah. So, um, well, I'll just kind of um, back up like a couple months. I just started one, you know, a new one. So uh, I've had Homegrown Fighter for uh, two or three years with Bryce, but I, we moved to Colorado at the end of 2020 and I started uh, Front Range Fighter. So I knew it when we moved out here, there was, I mean, 
dozens and dozens of top level fighters like world champions like everybody's out here and so i knew i wanted to to film with them so i decided to do a new docuseries um kind of based in the area so i started the process by reaching out first to coaches at gyms because you can't just walk in off the street really and start filming with with anyone you know like i can't just walk into elevation and be like hey justin gates let's film something you know like I, I reached out to coaches and kind of started those relationships, let them know like, hey, I want to do a docuseries, like telling the story of Colorado MMA and like how important it is to the sport. And they all, all the coaches like, sweet. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so then after that, it's talking to fighters. Um, and the way I do it is like, I look ahead about a month or so. It's like, who has a fight about a month from now? I want to try and work with them the next couple of weeks so that before their fight, I can put something out. Um, so like, I, uh, Drew Dober was one of the first guys, Alexander Hernandez, Dustin Jacoby, um, and Curtis Blades had a fight too. So I, like, I got content with as many of them as I could. And I was like, Hey, I like told them the same thing. I, I want to tell a story of Colorado MMA and you're a big part of it. So, um, I just want to do like an episode with you. Um, and so that, what that looked like was generally meeting them at, at the gym for a training session. That's generally the easiest way to kind of get in with a guy because it's not like, I'm not coming into their house or something personal. It's like I'm meeting in a public place at the gym. It's open. There's other people there and just kind of get familiar with them filming that way. And then after that, it's like, Hey, you know, are you doing anything fun this weekend? You want, are you going on a hike? Are you going to the lake? Like I want to show a little bit of your lifestyle too, if that's cool. And in those, um, you know, if they're open to it, then I get to tag along. and that's usually where you get the best content the most like to build an episode i'll do like a good interview with the fighter and with at least one of their coaches um if not a couple of their coaches and then i kind of build the episode around those interviews and use the b-roll to kind of lay over the top of it and then just kind of put the story together um and then after that the hard part is getting it out there like that's the part i'm not very good at it's like getting it to people to marketing but that's how i go about producing it it's funny because one of my questions i wrote down was about marketing so i want to i want to get to that later because You've, it seems like you've done a good job because you have a pretty decent following that's growing on YouTube and on yeah. Instagram. Um, but I, I want to ask about interviews. I saw your most recent episode. It was about, I forget his name, but the golf, you were, you took, he, he took Anthony you golfing. Smith. And, yeah. 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 That was really cool. And Thank I, you. Yeah. Something, something I thought was like a detail that I noticed was like, some of these guys had like scars on their face. Some yeah. of their noses were like completely misshapen because yeah. of like all the training. Do like, do you what's with with interviewing? What is like? What is your goal with an interview? What, do you have like an idea of what questions you want to ask, or do you just kind of freestyle and then like put the story together later? Yeah, I definitely have um, a goal. So anytime you're working with like a high level athlete, like world class athletes, like there's so many people like kind of vying for their time and they're already like generally stretched thin with like the amount of time they have that I always want to be respectful and go in with a plan of like, this is what I need. And I'd love to sit there and talk to them for two hours, but I generally try to keep it, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. And if they want to keep talking, I let them, but I try to keep it short. I try to keep it just to like kind of what I need to, to be able to build the story I'm trying to build um, so that I'm not taking up too much of their time. So with Anthony, um, yeah, I went in, I had like quite a, a list of questions, just kind of, I want to first have them tell, answer the questions and tell the story of kind of like, 
a little bit of their background, who they are, if someone's watching it that doesn't know anything about them, like, you know, like uh, how long they've been fighting, kind of where they've been, their credentials, that kind of thing. So that when someone watches it, they can kind of see who this person is. Um, and then uh, I try to tell, like, with this series, Homegrown, or with Front Range Fighters, like, how did you get to Colorado? Why are you in Colorado as opposed to Florida or California or wherever else? Um, kind of like, why are you here? And then how is this place helping you grow? Like, what has changed in your development as a fighter since you've been here? Your relationship with your coaches, you know, those type of things. And then telling, uh, you know, who you're fighting next, um, why, why you're here training so hard right now, because you have a fight. When is it? Who's it against? That kind of thing. And I want um, someone to, to watch the episode to be able to go away, like knowing a little bit about the person, um, knowing like kind of what they're working towards right now with their next fight, um, knowing about like their motivations, like their family or fame or fortune, like whatever it is. Um, and so I go in, yeah, with a list of questions like that. And, um, and it, and it's generally more of a conversation. Like I try to keep it a conversation. I don't ever try to have fighters be like, I I'm never like, Hey, tell me exactly this. It's like, talk about this and just, you know, wh why, you know, asking a lot of why, like, why do you do this? And what do you think about this? Um, I, I never want it to be too pointed or try to put words in their mouth. Um, but that's kind of how I approach those. You have like a goal for the channel, like is that is that do you want to be like full-time posting on youtube or yeah that that kind of has been the goal it's like um i've, I've been really lucky because like my wife and i own a really successful like media business she does photography i do video and we produce a lot and like the business does well and honestly like financially doing these shows is just a drain like it's not paid me like hardly anything like i'm not making money from it but yeah the goal is to like build the channel up to a point where um, one of two things happens either I start getting so many views and like sponsors want to come on board that I'm actually making a living doing it or possibly like it starts to get noticed and like um, maybe leads to a, a different job like a job with the UFC or a large promotion or something like that doing this kind of content where I could actually be paid doing it you know um, but yeah it would be awesome to get the channel to a point where it's averaging hundreds of thousands of views making good money and then there's more opportunities that come from it yeah totally yeah because as I branch into this world, like one of the questions I really have about documentary filmmaking is it like, could you like, how can you push the boundaries of independent documentary filmmaking? Like, there's not much of a community there. There's not yeah. much of like, there's not like, if you look on the filmmaking hashtags on like TikTok and Instagram, there's like nothing about documentary filmmaking. Unless right. you look documentary, hashtag documentary filmmaking, and then you might get a little something but it's probably like just a media company that's like adding that in their tags. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why, yeah. why do you think there's no like glamor in it? They like, why, like when, when kids go to film school and they're like super hyped about like getting on narrative sets and being PAs and like production design and all this, why is there no hype into documentary filmmaking? <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, I've honestly never even considered it before. Um, I guess like on the surface, it's like, what's more glamorous and flashy like the end product of when you do like this epic styled shoot where it's directed and you have epic lighting and like awesome music like that's gonna kind of just on the surface draw more eyes to it because it's more flashy it takes more um thought and more like insight and i guess intelligence to really delve into and appreciate documentary which is probably why it's not the most popular genre um, because like it doesn't hold it, it'll hold your attention if it's done right, but it, it won't necessarily, like, it's not a 60-second fast-moving, like, clip, you know? It's not gonna, like, in our generation, people's attention spans are so short. 
I don't know that there's that many people whose attentions are going to be held by a, you know, an hour long doc mm-hmm. or whatever, unless it's just epic and insane. But um, that would be my guess. I don't know. Attention spans. <laughs> mm-hmm. So do you, do you just think it's more like there's more glory in making a narrative that's like, like, well, yeah, I guess it's kind of like the, every, the, the people's attention is being competed for by like TikTok and like Marvel and right right yeah it's hard to like have like a sit-down interview and make it interesting but i feel like there's room for that yeah like i feel like documentary is kind of stagnant in a way Mm. because maybe because it's lack of funding or lack of interest i I will say that um it's hard to especially as an independent and without funding and stuff it's hard to like get um really and interesting quality content consistently because it takes a story and it takes like a a personality um so that's why i was so lucky with homegrown fighter with bryce and uh, the reason i think it's so successful is he's just hilarious and just has a natural personality that people want to watch like everything he does without even trying is funny so something like that when you have that kind of like personality and that draw I think it can be very compelling. And like, I can't even tell you how many messages I get on my YouTube of people who are just like annoyed or whatever that I'm not working with him right now. And it's just because he broke his hand in his last fight. He lives 18 hours from me. Like, it's just not convenient. Like there's dudes who live 20 minutes from me. I can go film with them much more easily. But people want to see the really interesting um, content with him, you know, his his personality. So yeah. I think there is room for it. I think there's room for documentary to become like i mean look at like um the last dance like there are ones that like stick out in pop culture and like become super popular but you have to have those characters and you have to have those like super compelling interesting like story plots and personalities to make it happen i think dude i saw i looked up like the highest grossing documentaries of all time Mm -hmm. and they consisted of like fahrenheit 9-11 the Michael Jackson, this is it documentary mm. was like, I think that one was the highest. And that was like a hundred nine million dollars wow. in the box office, which is yeah. like nuts to think about. It's yeah, like it is. It is. Yeah. Um, but Tiger King, mm. like the way they equate box office from Netflix to like the theater, mm. they said if, if it was in theaters, it would have done like 300 million. Wow. I believe it. And you know? it, I think that was a product of, again personality like that dude and the the woman carol or whatever her name was like that so many personalities right. but also i think it had the the luxury of the timing too it came out right when the pandemic hit and everyone was staying home watching it so but right. yeah, it was it was great yeah but like to me that once i saw that i'm like okay there's room for this to be a mainstream thing mm. and like i feel like i feel like that's kind of what i want to do is like try to make it cooler almost like for sure yeah because that that's where you get like if you can get one i think if you can get like a gary v for documentary yeah filmmaking like how he made entrepreneurship so cool you Mm -hmm. can make like documentary filmmaking just as cool and with as many eyes yeah um so kind of to segue back to marketing what are you doing how have you grown your channel so big (laughs) the two things one was i put out a video about five years ago they got six million views and that brought me most of my followers it was a random thing i did it was uh i had a friend who did bmx and i had a friend who did parkour and i set up like it was it was kind of narrative sort of but it was also live action it was just they did a race 
across campus and it's for some reason it got six million views that was a big thing um and then the second what I really kind of built and got loyal following was the stuff I did with Bryce with homegrown fighter and again it goes back to his personality and I just had the I was blessed to like have that relationship with him where he had this amazing personality and I had the the skills to kind of package it all together and put it out in a way people wanted to see it was just like a great um you know combination I love working with him so those two things um and I think like other little things help like he had a couple big performances in the UFC his Instagram like his uh manager and I started an Instagram page for him and it got like 200,000 followers so I was able to kind of like put the content on there to like reach more people um and then just you know whenever he performs well people want to see stuff with him <laughs> so uh, okay. it's not so much me it's it's I mean it is it's like if I wasn't there producing the content it obviously wouldn't be seen but if he wasn't doing what he was doing as well it wouldn't be attracting as many views so yeah I was lucky yeah, so but yeah the work and the minds yeah yeah exactly yeah I, I think it's kind of interesting I mean I'm pretty sure I actually found your channel because of Will Harris hmm um, he shouted you out one time. Yeah, yeah, he's or cool. You, I you, ta you tagged him, and he for tagged sure. He's yeah. yeah. I gotta like give him props too. Like I, I talk to him a lot about like because um, going back to what we were talking about with like filming with fighters and like trying to earn a living from it. It's he was he had a very successful business as well. He was doing weddings, making good money doing weddings, and that was funding him doing Anatomy of a Fighter the first couple of years or the first year or so until it got big so like it's hard for you know your average 25 year old dude who has 500 bucks in the bank and is just like working job to job to just spend 40 hours a week working with fighters and putting content out when you don't have money to live on from another source like it's, it's really hard to do like I wouldn't be able to do it if we didn't have a successful business doing weddings and other things and he couldn't have done it if he didn't have his successful business on the side so it's it's really hard for just anyone to do it. Um, but yeah, Will, Will's been great. Like he's kind of answered a lot of questions of like how he grew his channel and like developing relationships with gyms and fighters and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, big shout out to, to Will Harris. He's cool. Yeah. That's actually fast. I didn't know he was like supporting it from a, a side business. In the yeah. Community. At first he was doing weddings and making good money. And that's, that's what we've been doing too. It's ironic, but yeah, it's well, so actually I, I dropped, well, I didn't drop out. I, I graduated high school like two years ago and then I just started. And the, the way I've made most of my money is like through just like, I'll get, I'll get a couple clients and then we just do like a monthly thing. Okay. But I'm starting to think like, do you recommend doing weddings? Like I'm starting to think that might be a good. It's, um, it depends. Like I would never suggest doing something just because you can make money at it. I think you okay. need to one enjoy it and to be good at it or at least have the potential to to grow and into being good at it um but yeah like it is a good way to make money and it's a, a good like kind of business to have um it, i i wouldn't have been doing them probably if my wife wasn't like she's a photographer she's really passionate about working with couples doing like engagements and weddings and all that kind of thing um and so by default i was always kind of with her doing that and it was something I could do and, and not hate. I wouldn't say I like love it, but I enjoy, you know, a lot of it and it, it's a good way to make money. So, um, yeah, if, if, um, if you have an interest in it and you think you could be pretty good at it, then yeah, it's definitely worth a shot. I think a lot of videographers have done weddings at some point because it's a really, it's a good way to make money, but it's a really good like way to test yourself. Um, cause it's fast paced and you only get one shot at it. Like, right. 
there's which moments is great to transfer to documentary skills mm-hmm. exactly i think that's that's helped me honestly like with documentaries shooting weddings everything's fast-paced and you get one shot and you don't exactly know what's what's when moments are going to happen so you have to be ready for them um, and documentaries the same way so there's a lot of parallels um, but yeah it's a, it's a good yeah. way to 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 get get reps in <laughs> totally yeah i i was thinking because i would love to like find a way to support myself for my own like documentaries like what I'm doing mm. in Long Island yeah um, but also like I think I think there's probably a market for influencers or small businesses to have their own documentaries made about them and like yeah as, yeah for that as a service so I think yeah um, that's something I'm trying to get ready for um, for sure something that that i've done a little bit on the side too is um, working with businesses doing what are called like brand brand stories and it's sort of a, it's like a hybrid between a documentary and like a promo where you're just kind of telling the story of the brand and why a client should care you know why someone should care about this company and yeah it's a it's a fun thing to do too like i, I like doing brand stories i might steal that from you <laughs> yeah go for it man um i'll give you credits though um, it's okay i'm not i'm not the one who created it like oh, okay, okay, <laughs> the cool. brand stories or, or something they're out there but they're they're a good hybrid type of thing I, I i enjoy them yeah i think that would just be cool like if figure out a way to full-time just make documentaries um, yeah but yeah so let me see would you ever consider making like a feature length documentary or like an hour long documentary yeah, for sure it would have to be the right thing um i've actually thought about it more and more because i keep ending up with docu-series episodes that are like 15 minutes long i was like dang just four of these and i have a feature you know it's like it's <laughs> not um it's not that much longer but yeah it would have to be the right thing but i've always planned when uh, bryce wins the featherweight title for the ufc like I want to be there. I want to be documenting all of it, and then I want to put together a feature-length doc on it with all this like footage that I've got right. through the years. Um, and that's one I definitely want to do. But if something else popped up and was another opportunity, I'd definitely be down for it. Yeah, because like, actually, I have an idea. If the Manimal documentary, John's John goes by Manimal, the guy who I'm making my documentary. Okay. About. Yeah. If that goes well, I was thinking about trying to make a series and like pitch it to a yeah. streamer about nice. Like, the the history of law mma and like yeah how how it's like ray longo and like some of those guys right. have like made a huge impact on like the ufc yeah um yep long that'd be cool if, we could collab yeah. on that if that ever came to fruition that'd be cool yeah for sure yeah. we get the budget for it let's do it <laughs> yeah i don't know what like have you ever gotten budgets for documentaries and done anything like that I have a friend who's a producer who um has worked a lot in like um kind of like narrative podcasting that kind of thing but he's also worked with like companies who uh like produce films for like netflix and stuff and i was kind of like kicking the, the idea around with him about like homegrown like doing a documentary series for like netflix or something and yeah there's some major budgets like uh million plus like for for a season you know for stuff like that it just kind of depends on the size of your crew and yeah how much you're wanting to take home at the end of it because there's so much like production costs to go into it but yeah like there's yeah. there's some budgets yeah do you think like let's say you got like a five hundred thousand dollar budget do you think mm -hmm. that you 
would want to hire a big crew for that or would you want to like maybe bring one or two people and kind of basically do it the same you've been doing yeah i would keep it small for sure especially if i was working with bryce like uh the relationship the bond that we have is like is super tight and special it's like i i wouldn't want 15 people running around with like you know lighting and all that no i would i'd keep it simple and i know i could get good quality like with just me and maybe another buddy or two yeah You've, I mean, you've proven that for sure. Yeah, thanks. Um, and you're shooting on the C200? Yeah, I uh, most of the, the content with Bryce was on the C100 Mark II until about last July, I think, is when I got my C200. Uh, yeah, and it's it's I a beast. just bought the C100 Mark II. Dude, it's great. It's a freaking, freaking great it. camera. It is Dude. awesome. And like... It's funny too because it has a 4K sensor. Like, if I ever need to get a few clips on it and scale them up to 4K, I honestly don't notice that much of a loss of quality. Like, it's a good camera. Yeah. And, like, uh, the thing I really love about it, I rented it for when I went to New York the first time for Mm -hmm. Manimal. And just because I was like, I want to try to use XLR mics Mm -hmm. and stuff and get better quality. That didn't even work, but I got to use the camera. (laughs) um, And I, it was only like 300 bucks for the week. And then I liked it. Black Friday rolls around and I'm like, this camera shoots better quality than my EOS R, like in my opinion, mm. um, has much smaller file sizes and mm. is like yep. very portable. It's good for exactly what I want to do with yep. documentary. So I'm like, why, if I get this, I don't have to buy a new laptop to edit the yeah. files on. Like why not yeah. just use that? And now my, yeah. it kind of changed my philosophy. Like, you don't need the the high like you you need yeah. the camera that's perfect for you not the highest quality yep. camera 100 percent. yeah i'm um, glad that you've like learned that early on too because that's something like it takes people a long time like my um i mean when i started filming like, my process was always like every year or two like kind of selling and upgrading selling and upgrading it's like it's necessary to a point but once you get like something solid that works for you like ticks nine out of the 10 boxes you need it to it's like you know i i can work with this i can make it make it happen and yeah that's a solid camera why what was the xlr issue you had uh for some reason it just wouldn't work and like i borrowed a sennheiser and then like a long cord Mm. and i needed like a three inch cord so i could, yeah for sure but it, um it just and i it was all like this last minute like hey yeah i know you have a sennheiser can i borrow it because i just rented the c100 completely off plan like yeah yeah um so it just it just like didn't work for some reason with that one camera but gotcha. it, it works it works with the one i have now and then i ended okay, up good. getting it yeah. on i got a used one on black friday and it was like yep super cheap so yeah, mine was actually used too. I've still got it. It's on the shelf right over there. Oh, <laughs> it's a good camera. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's dope. So cool. You're a Canon guy. Yeah, I am. I've always been um, Canon. I like, when I was in high school, I had like a crappy like Panasonic camcorder. It was like my first thing. Um, but then as soon as I started, like when I went to college, it was right when like, this would have been years ago. So I don't know if you would have even been aware of it. But like there was a time when, people first started using DSLRs for video and like no one had really done it before, but then they realized they could. And there's like this jump in quality. And that's when I went to college was right when that was starting. And so when I went, I didn't even know what a DSLR was. I had never seen one. I'd never touched one. I was like, Oh, that's a photo camera. Like, why would I use that for video? But then I started and I was like, 
this is awesome. So then I bought like a Canon Rebel and then got a, like a 6D and then a 5D and then like a couple like 7Ds and another 5 like it just kind of kept. I've always loved the Canon ecosystem. I love Canon lenses, like Canon glass is amazing. I love the color science that Canon has. So like I switched to Sony A7S Mark II for like three months in like 2016 and then switched right back to Canon because I just like love, <laughs> I love Canon colors. Like it's, yeah. it's hard to beat, yeah. It's also hard to like leave Canon mm-hmm. if you wanted to, like, because that that new Sony camera that came out is like impressive. You know what I mean? Like, which one? Like the A7S three. The... I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's like yeah. shoots and in six K. Like, like. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah you no. said? Did you say you're on the EOS R? Is that what you have as well? I have EOS R, and then I have the C100 Mark II, and then I have a. Is couple the R of... the one that has eight K? No, that's the R5. I have the R. Oh, the gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And yeah. I'm thinking about selling that to my buddy and then just getting like a GH5 or something to replace it. Yeah, those are solid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. just because it'll cover all the other bases that the C1. Like the EOS R and the C100 are basically the same camera. So mm-hmm. I don't need the EOS R. Just in different forms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and But I still need a gimbal camera, so... But right. Then one, yeah. Then yep. I'd have 120 on the GH5 and stuff, so that would kind of be yeah. better. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Cool, cool. man. Well, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to hold you for too long. This was a pleasure. Um, yeah. Hopefully, we can keep talking more. I'm definitely going to be checking out your videos more and in your DMs and stuff. Hopefully, sweet. We can work yeah. Sounds good. Day. Feel free to message me anytime. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then just keep grinding. Yep. You too. Awesome. Thanks, man. Good talking All to right. you. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Have a good day. You too. (laughs) Bye.